Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. I'm so grateful for the spirit that was invited here by that prayer and the beautiful music. It's especially poignant. I had an opportunity I have to share with you. I was teaching in China a year ago, and the little children in that school came to me. And though they didn't speak English, they had learned that song in English. And many of them didn't know much about God, but they sang, May the Lord bless you and keep you. And so that has a special feeling of bringing a beautiful spirit this morning. And I pray that the Lord's Spirit will attend us as for the time that we are here together. In the riveting story depicted in Genesis and the subject of Cecil B. DeMille's great film, The Ten Commandments, Egypt's pharaoh, Ramses II, stood on an elevated vantage point and witnessed the parting of the Red Sea as the children of Israel crossed on dry land. Subsequently, he watched his prize soldiers and chariots follow in pursuit as the water closed in about them and washed them away to perish in the sea. Then in the movie version, he returned to his palace where his queen taunted him about the lack of response from the Egyptian gods. And then Ramsey spoke this great line, Moses' God is God. Pharaoh's experience, though very trying, had led him to a previously denied perspective. Perspective is how we see things from where we are. But perspectives may change depending on our experiences and our circumstances. The God of the Old Testament was Jehovah, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to be our Savior. He is the literal Son of God the Father, whose plan he was chosen to fulfill. From our vantage point today, what do we know and believe about God? Can you say, as Ramses of old, that Moses is God is God? And what does that mean? Do you conduct your life differently because of what you believe? Do you know what God wants for you? I believe that the time is now. There is some urgency for us to appraise our perspectives, just as Joshua Joshua of old, when he challenged us to choose choose ye this day whom ye will serve. As the second coming of the Savior approaches, circumstances will try men's souls to the point that, if possible, even the very elect will be deceived. We have been recently warned again in the October 1998 General Conference of the Church. President Hinckley said, I am suggesting that the time has come to get our houses in order. There is a portent of stormy weather ahead to which we had better give heed. That is all I have to say about it, but I wish to say it with all the emphasis of which I am capable. Close quote. All of us will be tried and tested. How can we find our true anchor, our iron rod, and our safe and holy place to stand? What are your challenges, and what are your perspectives on living each day? What are your lived value systems? To what do you look forward in the future? When I asked a group of my young friends this question, there were some wonderful and interesting answers. I want to be successful. I want to have a loving family. I want to have eternal life, but I can't do lots of things I should until I get out of school. I want to have lots of money. I want to have good friends. 
But one answer stood out from all the rest. I really haven't thought about it that much. For some of us, it's easy to spend our time drifting day to day, doing that which seems most pressing, while giving lot to that which is really most important. We need to understand that what we do determines the direction we will travel and the destination at which we will arrive. What we value will be where we spend our time and effort. A question, then, is that from a higher perspective, is where we are spending our time really worth it? A certain man, having lived a long and productive life, was getting ready to meet his maker, One night he had a dream where he was told that because he had been generous with his considerable worldly wealth, he would be permitted to take his most valued possession with him when he passed to the other world. The next morning, the old man set out to put his affairs in order. He liquidated his assets and gave half of all he had to charities and other good purposes. The other half he had converted into gold bars. Upon his death, so the story goes, St. Peter met him and welcomed him to his new home. But when he noticed the large and very heavy bag that the man was carrying, St. Peter reminded him that no one could bring any earthly possessions with them to this place. The old man described his dream and indicated that he had been given special permission to bring this treasure with him. Well, okay, St. Peter said, if you have permission, but may I see what you chose as your greatest treasure? When St. Peter looked into the bag, he stepped back in amazement, and with a question he asked, For your treasure, you brought pavement? It's all a matter of perspective. What we cling to here on the earth seems to be so valuable to us, but it really may be quite valueless in the true sense. If we really believe that God is a real and living God, then how can this knowledge alter and determine our perspective? Recorded in the Pearl of Great Price, Moses learned his true identity. Behold, Satan came tempting him, saying, Moses, son of man, worship me. And it came to pass that Moses looked upon Satan and said, Who art thou? For behold, I am a son of God in the similitude of his only begotten, and where is thy glory that I should worship thee? Get thee hence, Satan. Deceive me not, for God said unto me, Thou art after the only similitude, the similitude of mine only begotten. Then in Moses 1 and 4, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, And behold, thou art my son. Like Moses, we are sons and daughters of a living God. This knowledge of our true identity can change our perspective when we realize how much the Lord loves and values us. It is important to recognize that the worth of a soul is great in the sight of God, that we are literally his spirit children created in his own image, male and female created he them. Just as Satan tried to deceive Moses, so also will he try to deceive us and influence our perspective. However, we can say as Moses did, get thee hence, Satan, and deceive me not. He tries to deceive us by making the facade of sinful worldly pleasures attractive enough to overshadow the values that the Lord would have us live. Moses' knowledge of his identity as a son of God gave him the perspective to see Satan as the imposter he is. If we have developed a personal testimony of our Savior, we will have strength to face our problems and challenges 
as our friend. He will stand by us and protect us against the temptations of Satan. Although we will still have problems and trials, our capacity to handle them will increase. We will be able to say, as did the Apostle Paul, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. In some ways, we live in a world of deceit. Satan is the master of deceit. He truly desires the fruit of this generation and sculpts wrong behaviors that are even accepted and flaunted in temporary, contemporary society and popularized in the media. Worldly perspectives define as acceptable values and ideas that almost always lead to unhappiness and disappointment. God knows you individually. He knows what you can be. He has the complete perspective of what you can become. Some years ago, a new newspaper reporter was assigned to interview workers on a construction site to get a first-hand story about the project. He approached one man who was breaking ground and breaking rocks and filing them in order to have smooth and even surfaces. What are you doing with these huge rocks, he asked. Looking annoyed, the man said, what do you think I'm doing? I hack away at these filthy rocks all day long. My back is bent and I'm tired and I do the same thing day after day. Well, said the reporter, this certainly isn't a very pleasant job. I don't envy you. He approached another man who appeared to be doing the same thing. The reporter was hesitant to interrupt him, but finally he asked, can you tell me what you're doing, sir? The man stood up wiped his sweaty brow, and pointing to a very large but rough foundation, said, Can't you see? We're building a cathedral. Its spires will rise to the sky, and my children and grandchildren will remember that I had a great part in it. Oh, said the reporter, this is a very important thing you're doing. Yes, said the man, how lucky I am. Two people can be doing the same thing, but with quite different perspectives. Our perspective becomes the lens through which we view our life. Our continuous mission in this life is to search for God and then in finding him, receive him completely in our lives. Christ said, But if ye receive me in the world, then shall ye know me and shall receive your exaltation, that where I am ye shall be also. This is eternal lives, to know the only wise and true God and Jesus Christ, whom he hath sent. I am he. Receive ye, therefore, my law. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God, to them that believe on his name. On the evening prior to his crucifixion, the Savior met with his apostles at what has come to be called his Last Supper. In the scriptural account of that evening's events, he told of the qualification for gaining eternal life. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Commenting on this scripture, Elder Bruce R. McConkie wrote, It is one thing to know about God and another to know him. We know about him when we learn that he is a personal being in whose image is created, male and female created him then. When we learn that the Son is the, in the express image of his Father's person, when we learn that both the Father and the Son possess certain spe specified attributes and powers, but we know them in the sense of gaining eternal life 
when we enjoy and experience the same things they do, close quote. Now here, I believe, is the key to changing an earthly perspective to an eternal one. Continuing on, Elder McConkie said, to know God is to think what he thinks, to feel what he feels, to have the power he possesses, to comprehend the truths he understands, and to do what he does. Those who know God become like him and have his kind of life, which is eternal life. Now, here is the point I really want to make. Our perspective must be God's perspective, or in the end, it will be worthless. Elder Neal A. Maxwell said it this way, If you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will, in the end, make no difference what else you have chosen instead. What we value must be what God values, or in the end, it will be worthless. It is all a matter of perspective. We are living in an earthly environment of earthly viewpoints, vistas, or vantage points. And it is for us to step back and see things as they really are. But it takes more than distance for us to see from the eyes of an eternal perspective. I've chosen four possible aspects of earthly perspectives that keep us from seeking and finding an eternal perspective. Number one, there are some folks who are just disinterested in spiritual concerns and future consequences. When times are good, it's easy to forget our dependence on the Lord. We drift in our comfort zone making, without making clear commitments on which perspectives we will focus our lives. Being disinterested is possibly the most difficult to overcome. It is too easy to take spiritual things lightly and casually. Like my friend who just hadn't given his future much thought, we need to be reminded that our time is short. It is easy to drift along in relatively smooth waters until we reach the rapids. A prudent perspective would be to prepare before it is too late. As the five foolish virgins found at midnight, it was too late to buy the needed oil for the lamps. They were not permitted to enter the wedding party with the bridegroom. How tragic it will be if we have chosen to avoid the responsibility of aligning our perspectives with God's until it is too late. Alma teaches us a very significant principle. For behold, this life is the time for man to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. We cannot know when it is our time to be called home. For behold, if ye have procrastinated the day of your repentance even until death, behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. A wonderful man who had suffered serious health problems and was on a course of temporary recovery shared his sacred feelings. The late Rex E. Lee, president of this university, spoke from this pulpit and shared his perspective and how it had changed as his life had been in a per precarious balance and then spared for a time. In essence, he said that each day was a precious gift from God and that he would never again take one day for granted. Brothers and sisters, we must not waste our time here. It is short that we have to work out our salvation. Let's remember that each day is precious, and opportunities abound to focus our perspective on the paths the Lord would have us take. Number two, being deceived can keep us from receiving our eternal blessings. We've already acknowledged that Satan tempts us by deceit. Things are not always what they seem to be. A young wife may feel much pain as she longs to have a child but is unable. 
while another may have children easily but finding them, raising them inconvenient and disruptive to her personal plans. From the perspective of a six-year-old child, it seems like Christmas will never come, while for an adult it seems like time before Christmas gets shorter and shorter. Young people think they will never grow old, but time does not stand still, and older people wonder how it happens so quickly. There are endless examples of distortion of reality and false premises. A measure of air quality in Japan is the ability of a certain observatory to see Mount Fuji. A Japanese newspaper reported that from an observatory in Tokyo, Mount Fuji had been sighted only something like 27 times in 1997, while in 1998 it had been sighted something like 43 times. The article went on to explain that it was not so much the change in the pollution levels as the fact that the observatory had been moved from the 8th to the 23rd floor. Perspectives do change as we go higher. Maybe some of you know of Claude Ptolemy, who lived between 100 and 170 BC. He tried to explain celestial motion by using the theory that the Earth was the center of the universe, that the sun and other planets revolved around the Earth. His principal scientific efforts were documented in a compendious work of 13 volumes. He described it in meticulous detail as an explanation of celestial patterns and motions. For 14 centuries, this was the universally accepted and authoritative system of astronomy. Now, we know that that premise, that the universe revolves around the Earth, was a false premise. Making earthly perspectives the center of our universe will result in the same discovery, that it is a false premise. Number three, compromise is one of the adversary's operative words. Those who do not have an eternal perspective will always challenge integrity. There are many examples that can help us develop the strength to make righteous choices. Mohandas K. Gandhi is one such example. His mother taught him that to eat meat was wrong inasmuch as it necessitated the destruction of life. So Gandhi pledged to his mother that he would remain a strict vegetarian throughout his life. Later, Gandhi became seriously ill. His physicians tried to persuade him that if he would drink a little broth, his life might be saved. Even for life itself, we may not do certain things, he said. There is only one course open to me, to die, but never to break my pledge. Because of his integrity, his followers renamed him Mahatma, or the Great Soul, Although we may not agree with the tenets of his beliefs, we admire his honor. To him, the pledge he made to his mother was sacred. Now, do we fear men more than God? Some fear that it is neither cool nor popular to defend righteous living. It's too easy to be count consumed with how we look, how we are connected socially, what kind of clothes we wear, how we can acquire wonderful possessions. And of course, it's important to have friends to look well and to have comfortable and beautiful living environment. But from ancient times, the Lord has told his people not to be idol worshipers. The Lord's perspective was abundantly clear when he gave the commandment to Moses, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them. There are enticing idols lurking in all places to deceive us into losing sight of our eternal perspectives. What perspectives do you have about gaining an education? 
We must not compromise knowledge with expediency. One student may look at a general education course as something to get over with, while another will find the same course life-changing as doors not yet dreamed of are opened. The Lord has admonished us to learn all things of the world under the world in and above. We must take the perspective that all knowledge is important, as are the individual's gifts and talents given to his children. Talents and interests are gifts from God and should not be compromised, for all have not every gift given unto them. For there are many gifts, and to every man is given a gift by the Spirit of God. To some is given in one, and some is given another, that all may be profited thereby. In his parable of the talents, Christ taught that our gifts should be multiplied and cherished, that our lives here can be rich and we can bless the lives of others. There are no unimportant gifts. All components of truth and knowledge must be valued. Human existence cannot be understood in its totality through any one mode of inquiry. For example, science, history, and art all reveal different truths about any one subject or event. These three fundamental forms of inquiry and the languages needed to use them form the core of a basic curriculum that teaches the knowledges and skills of civilization. Any education would not be complete that does not address the things of a spiritual nature and the three great branches of learning, the arts, letters, and sciences. We are missing important perspectives in our lives and in our pursuit of knowledge if we do not experience all three. Less emphasis may be placed on the arts. The appropriate study and practice of the arts reveal them to be a medium by which our spirits are touched and move to higher levels of receptivity and understanding. When appropriately magnified, these gifts can help us realize truths that may not be perceptible in any other way. Latter-day Saints have always valued all that is praiseworthy and of good report. It may be of interest for you to know that Utah was the first in the nation to have an arts council that fostered the arts and cultures in the lives of its citizens. This year is the 100th centennial of that organization. Brigham Young was a particular supporter of the arts. Always keeping the gospel perspective, he advocated and actively participated in music and dance and theater and was a skilled craftsman and a fine furniture maker. He believed in the refining and edifying influence of the arts. He said, There is no music in hell, for all good music belongs to heaven. Sweet, harmonious sounds give exquisite joy to human beings capable of appreciating music. He also said, If you wish to dance, dance. And you are just as much prepared for a prayer meeting after dancing as ever you were, if you were saints. If you desire to ask God for anything, you are as well prepared to do so in the dance as in any other place, if you are saints. Those who cannot serve God with a pure heart in dance should not dance. The spirit and the body are the soul of man. Neither is complete without the other. And the absence of the spirit from the body is looked upon as bondage. We came to earth to gain a body. We look upon this as a great and precious gift. The study of the human body in an aesthetic perspective is also desirable and necessary. And I think creativity must be important to our great creator. 
Creativity is not limited to the creative and performing arts. Opportunities for problem solving and creativity must be evident in any complete education. We must not be deceived into believing that God gave us talents and gifts that were not to be magnified for the benefit of his children. The fourth challenge is distraction. One of my students answered my query to what do you look forward in the future by stating that he really wanted an eternal family and the blessing of having all of them go back to live with Heavenly Father and his son. His problem was that he had so many things to do that he didn't have time to worry about it very much, much less to set one more goal. He was willing but very distracted. What does it take to get our attention? This good brother, who had righteous desires but felt that he could not fulfill them because he was too busy in school, will probably find that his life will fill up just as much when he is out of school. We are often caught up in the busy demands and choices of life. Soon we look back and realize that a year or five years or ten years have gone by, and we're still saying that someday we will get to the things that we wish and need to do. How sad it will be if we spend our lives climbing ladders only to find that they are leaning against wrong walls. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Christ said, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. We only have so much time in a day, in a year, in a lifetime. We have to decide what to do, and what is important to us, what we do value, and what we really do care about. Then and only then will we be able to keep our sights on eternal perspectives and avoid distraction. Some of us may need to speed up, while others may need to slow down. From the perspective of being too casual, we need to determine to take action. From the perspective of being too busy, the action may be to pause and regroup. In all cases, we could benefit from taking the time to ponder and pray. The prophet Joseph Smith received much of the restored gospel through pondering and praying for the Lord's perspective on his questions. The heavens opened and are still open to us if we will inquire. Christ counseled the people of Nephi to go into your homes and ponder upon the things which I have said. And ask of the Father in my name that ye may understand. Take time to consider that pers the perspectives that are important in your life. Is it important for us to be cautious? Yes, it is. We must not become disinterested, deceived, or distracted, or compromised. We have all blessings of the earth given to us to be used with prudence and thanksgiving. We must keep our perspective focused on God. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us the true perspective, one that we can know and trust, an eternal perspective through which we will not be deceived. The Lord, speaking of you and our day through the prophet Isaiah, declared, And they shall bring their sons and thy daughters in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders, and kings shall be their, thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord." For they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Waiting upon the Lord means having hope in the Lord and trusting in him. My young brothers and sisters, please do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Remember the bold testimony and example of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth. It takes some courage to live the gospel with an eternal perspective. Courage is faith put into action, acting on what we believe. Be ye doers of the work, and not hearers only. This advice found in James, only magnified by the President, by President Spencer W. Kimball's well-known directive, do it. I have been moved over and over again by the perspectives of the lives lived in faith and sacrifice because of the devotion of the early saints to the church and of our early pioneers. They left or lost most of their possessions. They suffered sickness and hardship. Many buried fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, and babies along the way. Many knowing from the beginning that they may not complete the journey. Still they went on, and they thanked God for the blessings of being a part of building Zion. An eternal perspective will help us fulfill our purposes in this life. God has given each of us important things to do during our time here on earth. As we develop ourselves spiritually, we can learn to see things as they really were, are, and will be. By viewing our lives from the perspectives of eternity, we realize that the difficulties we face in mortality are transitory. The Lord told the suffering Joseph Smith, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment, and then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. Elder Dallin H. Oaks declared, An eternal perspective helps us understand that adversity can be the springboard to growth. Seen with the perspective of eternity, a, a temporal setback, setback can be an opportunity to develop soul power of eternal significance. Strength is forged in adversity. Faith is developed in a setting where we cannot see what lies ahead. Here's another wonderful perspective from President Brigham Young, who was always clear and direct. President Brigham Young counseled the brethren who were leaving home. When you pray for your families, you must feel as if they live, all right. If they die, all right. If I die, all right. If you die, all right. For we are the Lord's, and we shall soon meet again. We have a remarkable, inspired, living prophet to give us the Lord's perspective. President Gordon B. Hinckley has stated, The Lord has shown you what is good and has given you a commandment to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God, which needs constant emphasis in this world where there is much of egotism, conceit, and arrogance. I do not hesitate to promise that if you live up to these standards as believers and performers, your lives will be fulfilling and your efforts fruitful and of great good. Close quote. I believe that the Lord wishes us to be happy and have joy. The greatest joy is in the peace of knowing that we are following the path that leads to eternal life, that our house is in order, that we are preparing to meet our Savior. The greatest gift is eternal life. A loving Heavenly Father has made provision for our human weakness. He knows our quest for exaltation is a gradual, lifelong pro process. He asks us, all that he asks us, is to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then all else will be added unto you. Jesus Christ has marked the path and led the way. 
for my way is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me. In the January 3rd this year, 1999 Fireside here in the Marriott Center, Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, I plead with you to return to the scriptures in some way that opens your mind and heart to be taught. I also plead with you to be determined to pray with all the energy of your heart that you might have every gift which a loving Heavenly Father knows you must have to serve his Son and to endure against the power of darkness. Primary songs teach us simple and beautiful truths. One such song is a child's prayer, words and music by Sister Janice Cat Perry. Heavenly Father, are you really there? And do you hear and answer every child's prayer? Some say that heaven is far away, but I feel it close around me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I remember now something that Jesus told disciples long ago. Suffer the children to come to me. Father, in prayer, I'm coming now to thee. Pray, he is there. Speak, he is listening. You are his child. His love now surrounds you. He hears your prayer. He loves the children. Of such is the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And again, Christ promises us with his tender love. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye are little children, and ye have blessings the Father hath in his own hand and prepared for you, and ye cannot bear all things now. Nevertheless, be of good cheer, for I will lead you along. The kingdom is yours, and the blessings thereof are yours, and the riches of eternity are yours. He who receives all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious, and the things of the earth shall be added unto him, even a hundredfold, yea, more. Now Mormon tells us something about those who do not believe. And he says, And now I speak also concerning those who do not believe in Christ. Behold, ye will believe in the day. Behold, will ye believe in the day of your visitation? Behold, when the Lord has come, yea, even that great day when the earth shall be rolled together as a scroll and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Yea, in that great day when ye shall be brought to stand before the Lamb of God, then will ye say that there is no God. For every knee will bend and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ. Keeping commandments and making covenants and honoring them brings a true perspective. From my own perspective, I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me. That wonderful hymn that we sang at the beginning of this meeting echoes my feelings. Oh, it is wonderful that he should care for me, enough to die for me. I know that our Heavenly Father is real and that he hears and answers our prayers, that he cares deeply and tenderly for each one of us. I cannot express in words the complete gratitude I feel for our collective and personal blessings. It is my prayer that your perspectives will be eternal perspectives, that we can wait upon the Lord with hope and joy, that we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. May we be able to come to his altar with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, for meekness does not resist counsel. May we choose to be engaged in service that helps us to know the meaning of charity. May we use our gifts to bless others and resist temptations of Satan. May we be able to see the end from the beginning. And finally, may you know that God is God 
and make your ways his ways is my prayer in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.